new upgrades, and new track layout. But was it the same old story? This week I'm talking about the Spanish Grand Prix. So get ready, because you've been summoned to the Stewart's office. Hello everyone, and welcome back to the Stewart's office. I'm Sarah, and this week I'm talking about the Spanish Grand Prix. F1 were heading out to Circuit de Barcelona, Catalunya, and I can't lie, it's felt like such an age since we've been to a permanent circuit. I've missed them. And Barcelona is an absolute all-rounder of a circuit. It's a circuit that the drivers tend to know like the back of their hand because it is used as a test circuit. Obviously not this year. This year they only tested in Bahrain. But usually testing will happen in Barcelona because of how much of an all-rounder it is. It is a really good circuit for teams to know how well their car is working, if upgrades are any good. And we had a couple of teams bringing upgrades to this circuit. So with that being said, let's get started. I am a fan of free practice sessions. I know not everyone is. I know some people would rather not watch them or just not have them. But I really, really enjoy free practice sessions. And that's mainly because I absolutely adore looking at the data that goes along with practice sessions and seeing how well cars are doing with race pace on different tyre compounds and all that sort of stuff. I really enjoy looking at it. These lot of free practice sessions were a little bit harder to get a read on with the cars though. And that was down to the fact that the teams were trying out the new Pirelli tyre construction. So the hard compound tyres having a little bit of a construction change and Pirelli had given the tyres to all the drivers to go out, test it out so they could gather some data and see if it was doing what Pirelli wanted it to do. And the data and the information that was gathered by Pirelli and how the drivers felt about it is going to be important because those tyres, that hard compound, will be used at Silverstone next month. So at the beginning of FP1, what we had was a lot of the drivers opting to start out on those prototype new hard compound tyres. And it was hard to really understand what the teams were doing with their cars in general, because that isn't a compound that will be used during the Spanish Grand Prix. Ferrari were coming into this weekend with a brand new upgrade for their car. Now, the team were known for their massive bathtub shaped side pods, right? Quite a big car in them. You could fill it with water, they were quite deep. And they've seemed with this new upgrade to sort of veer away from that concept. And to me, it almost looks like a sort of bench now that you could sit on, not sort of lay in. And this was fairly interesting to me because I am pretty sure Frederick Vasseur, the team principal said, they weren't necessarily looking at changing the concept of their car over the course of this season. And I'm pretty sure he'd made that statement quite early on in 2023. That seems to have changed though, and there's nothing wrong with that. And also Ferrari might argue that this isn't a concept change. I mean, maybe not in the way that Mercedes have, because they've changed a lot on their car. Maybe Ferrari are like, you know what, if we have changed the shape of the side pods, it's not necessarily a concept change. But regardless... They had bought upgrades in the hopes of finding some pace, probably hoping for more consistency in their race pace and maybe a little bit less tyre degradation. FP1 though, they only ran these upgrades with Carlos. They were doing a side-by-side -side comparison with their old and new upgrades to see how they were working and to be able to compare that data. In terms of lap time though, there didn't seem to be a mass amount of difference. 
Carlos was running the new upgrades, like I said, and Charles was staying with the old car. And there wasn't a massive amount of time difference. And this is why I'm thinking maybe their upgrades weren't necessarily just to bring pace to the car. Maybe they were trying to figure out and fix some of the other areas and issues that they've been having throughout this season. With absolutely no surprise, obviously Max Verstappen topped the timesheets in FP1. That car looked really, really comfortable out in Barcelona. And Red Bull was saying that this was a track that should really, really suit their car. We should really see it come to life here. Mercedes, on the other hand, weren't looking too great during that first practice session. You had George in P10, Lewis in P12, and it was just concerning at the start for Mercedes fans. The team had obviously said that they really wanted to test out their upgrades at the circuit. Monaco wasn't a good indicator for them. So at first glance during FP1, I think a lot of people were thinking, what the heck have they done with this car? Because it doesn't seem any better than what we've had. To be fair though, the grid was just mixed up in FP1. The track was amping up, people going on prototype tyres at different times. Mercedes were a team that opted not to use the prototype tyres until later on in the session. So when the track had amped up, there was rubber being laid and people were doing their quicker laps on better compound tyres. Mercedes were out there on the hard tyres at that point. One word I wasn't expecting to hear this weekend, though, or this year to be fair, was poor pricing. Lando Norris had mentioned during FP1 that he was getting some poor pricing during that last corner. And he wasn't the only driver that was complaining about that bouncing phenomenon. To be fair, he was the only one that used the word, but there were a couple of drivers saying that they were getting some bottoming out and then also that they were getting some bouncing on the circuit. But to be fair, this many races into the season to have now only heard the word poor poison is a pretty good run i'm gonna say in free practice too shall then put on the new ferrari upgrades i think they've gotten enough data from that comparison in fp1 and they were happy for both drivers to now run that new upgrade still wasn't a great session for mercedes they still looked like they were trying to get a better understanding of their car it looked like a little bit of a handful at times for them to figure out the biggest surprise of that session came in the form of Nico Hülkenberg in the house who finished the session in P3. Bar that though, I feel like we kind of saw the normal pecking order coming to life in FP2. The only other person I think was out of place on the other side of the grid, and I mean really out of place, was Lance Stroll who also looked like he was struggling with his car. He just did not seem happy with the handling of the Aston and it didn't look like a comfortable car to work with. Going into FB3, we had an 80% chance of rain, and there was also lightning seen at turn 14, just before the start. So, obviously, the teams made the call at that point that the drivers were going to go out on soft tyres before the rain started. I think what they wanted to do was just get to grips with their quality setup and make sure they kind of knew what to expect from quality later on in the day. It didn't take very long when that rain started to come down, though, for Logan Sargent to cause a red flag as he went into the final corner and kind of just lost control of the car he ran through the gravel and the session was red flagged as he went to recover that car thankfully he came out of the incident absolutely fine the session did start back up the rain was beginning to come down and most of the drivers at that point opted to stay in their garages i think it was in that weird in-between stage where you don't want to go out on slick tires but it's not quite wet enough to use the intermediate so i think rather than damage the car just before for quality the safer bet was to stay inside and just wait for the rain to come down a bit more and then maybe go out on the inters eventually the drivers did decide to come out on the intermediate tires a little bit tentative to start with 
but it really wasn't going to matter in terms of the timing sheets because no one was going to beat the times that were set on the soft tyres whilst they were on the intermediates. And then we finally got into qualifying and I can't lie, I was really hoping we'd get a wet qualifying. I wanted to see a bit more of a mixed up grid. Not that I thought anything was going to stop the Red Bulls from really taking pole here, but I was just hoping further down the grid we might see a little bit of mix up with some of the teams. There were a couple of damp patches and we saw Yuki Tsunoda spin and I think that was because of one of the damp patches right at the start of quality. And then we had a red flag with the session stopping. So we had Alonso go off at turn 14 going into the gravel but that wasn't what caused that red flag. That was because just afterwards Valtteri Bottas did the exact same thing and the amount of gravel that was brought onto the track meant that they needed to red flag the session to sort of clear that all up. The issue for Alonso was so he picked up some damage on the floor of his car when he went into the gravel so Aston pretty much did a patch job for him for the entirety of quality. It did hamper his performance. When the red flag came in and the session resumed, Nick DeVries got himself into a bit of trouble and spun into the gravel, got on the radio and just asked the team what he was doing wrong. He didn't know what was going on. We then had Pierre Gasly go under investigation for impeding Carlos Sainz while Sainz was on a fast lap. The McLarens were showing really, really good pace. Piastri ended up going up to second in Q1. Hamilton also had really good pace. The Mercedes seemed to come alive a bit more, especially for him, going into P3. Russell, on the other hand, in that Mercedes didn't seem happy at all in Q1 and was really struggling. And he was actually down in the elimination zone for a little while. The biggest shock to elimination in Q1, though, for me, was Charles Leclerc. I do not know what happened to that car but something was not right this wasn't down to him spinning or crashing or a driver error but he was not happy with that car and that car didn't look happy to be handled coming out of quality though Charles was especially unhappy with what had gone on he admitted himself that there was definitely something wrong with that car and Charles in general doesn't tend to be very critical of Ferrari the team the car He's the type of driver that does tend to blame himself, whether it is his fault or not, or he'll kind of shoulder the blame as a group. But I think this quality, he was very straightforward in saying there is something so wrong with that car that I wasn't able to get out of Q1. And on the other hand, you then have his teammate who was starting in P2 on the front row. Ferrari came out Saturday saying that they couldn't figure out what was wrong with Charles's car. It was something that they were going to have to investigate the next day which of course is race day and then on Sunday they said look we are still not entirely sure what's wrong there is something wrong with the rear end of his car but we can't figure out what so what Ferrari ended up opting to do on race day was change a whole host of components on Charles's car in the hopes that it would fix whatever was wrong that did mean a pitling start for him but considering he was starting in p19 anyway and the only driver that was behind him logan Sargent, was also starting from the pit lane it wasn't going to make that much of a difference and it was probably more helpful if it was just going to make him more comfortable with the car what ferrari have opted to do though since they weren't able to figure out what was wrong was send the rear part of the car back to Marinello so they could undergo further investigations. Definitely it is a problem that they need to diagnose though to stop it from happening again because what you don't want is it hampering both drivers performance on a race weekend. Post quality Pierre Gasly did end up getting a sixth place grid penalty altogether. Three places for impeding Carlos Sainz and another three places for impeding Max Verstappen. 
That, to be honest, was pretty consistent with the penalty that Charles got. While he was in Monaco, he had a three-place quick penalty for impeding Lando. It was just a little bit of a slam dunk because it was two drivers during the same qualifying session as well. So it was obviously going to sting a little bit more, especially considering he was going to start in P4 in Spain. It would have been such a good grid position for him and for Alpine, but he ended up dropping down to P10 because of that penalty, or both of those penalties. As the drivers were making their way out onto the track, George found the gravel. Him and the team did say later on that he was just trying to see what other racing lines were like, but realised at that part of the track he was on, there was absolutely no grip, which meant that he did go into the gravel, but thankfully, no damage to the underside of his car, unlike Fernando Alonso. Fernando, who had a severely compromised quality because of that damaged floor, and whilst his countryman was in second, he was starting down in 8th, which is not a place we expect to see Aston Martin anymore. Definitely was someone I thought would be fighting, maybe not for pole against Max, but front row, second row. We had pretty much the entire grid starting on soft tyres though, but Max, Sergio and Logan, who opted to start on the mediums, and then Charles was on the hard tyre. I mean, for Red Bull, I don't think it was going to matter what tyre compound they started Max on at the front. For Charles, though, I think they were probably hoping just to extend his stint on those hard tyres and get as far forward as they can. Maybe trying to air to a two-stop race instead of a three-stop, potentially even a one-stop. And then same with Logan, I think, instead of being on the soft tyres like everyone, on the mediums where he might be able to go for just a little bit longer. Lap 1, though, we did get a little bit of contact between Hamilton and Norris. Now, I don't think anyone was at fault here. The FIA didn't. They didn't even note the incident, really. Carlos had braked a little bit more than I think what was usually expected around that area of the circuit, which then caused Lewis to come off the throttle and brake a little bit. And Lando said in his post-race interview that he hadn't really seen what had gone on up ahead completely, so he hadn't expected them to slow down that much. And that's what caused him to cut Lewis's rear tyre, and he ended up damaging his front wing because of it. An absolutely nightmare start from Lando, since P3 was going to be an amazing place to start from. But he did need to go into the pits after lap one, swap the soft tyres for some hard tyres, put on a new nose, and a new nose does mean a longer pit stop. Added on to the fact that he couldn't get the car going straight away, it seemed to be stuck in neutral, so that added on a couple more seconds as he got the car into drive and then got out of the pit lane. And from there on in for him, it just wasn't a great race. He was really at the back of the pack, couldn't make a lot of progress forwards. Oscar Piastri as well, didn't have the best race in terms of not being able to move as far as head and into the points as he might have wanted to. Lando during that interview though after the race where he was talking about that contact also said that it really didn't make much of a difference to the team. He and the team weren't particularly expecting McLaren to be in the points during this race. They were all surprised by what happened during quali, but I think he said it kind of masked what some of their issues were to the outside world. I think people might have expected more from them than what they were actually able to give. So I think he was just being quite bluntly honest with the fact that, yeah, the contact was gutting, but it didn't really change the course of their race. They would have ended up outside the points anyway. I mean, you never know what could have happened, but he seemed quite certain that McLaren just didn't have that race pace there. He said they had similar race pace to who they've been fighting all season anyway, so around the Haases, Alfa Romeos, Alfa Tauris. So as gutting as it was, he didn't seem 
too bothered by it almost. I think he'd almost resigned himself to what was going to happen before the race had even started. So we didn't get to see this next part, or at least I hadn't seen it straight away on Sky F1. George was investigating for potentially leaving the track and gaining an advantage, but that was all fine in the end. He didn't get a penalty for that. But he'd made his way up very, very quickly from P12, and I think he'd gotten to P8, maybe 6, by the time they'd kind of shown us and had told us what was going on with him at the start. By the looks of it, he'd gone into an escape route when he was battling with Hulkenberg and Piastri. I can't lie, when I first saw the video clips of that, it did look like he'd gone off track and then gained an advantage. But the Skypad commentary did give us a very, very slowed down version of what happened. And it looked like he was just about ahead of Oscar Piastri, meaning that he didn't gain an advantage when he had come off the track. I'm sure people are going to argue about this one, I'm sure they're going to analyse it more online, but the stewards did opt not to give him a time penalty for that, and they didn't ask him to give the place back to Oscar Piastri, so he was able to carry on storming his way through the field. And storm he did. The Mercedes cars just had such a phenomenal race, the cars came to life, you could see the race pace. For me, I was really surprised in the first part of the race just how well those tyres had hung on for them. They started on the soft tyres like a lot of the grid had, but they were the only team, I think, that had managed to make them last so long at the beginning of the race. Now, track temp was obviously going to play into that. It was much cooler than it was over the past two days. But like I said, all the drivers were dealing with the same track temperature, but the Mercedes cars just managed to hang on to those tyres for that a little bit longer, keep the pace up with them, and not completely wreck them. And considering we had people come in for early early stops on those soft tires and I'm talking lap six lap 10 and I think the strategy window and the pit window for the soft tires were on lap 13. Mercedes managed to go for about 10 laps longer on those soft tires and didn't pit until about lap 23 24. So that really really helped them with their strategy that they could last that long on those tires. It didn't take very long for Lewis to pick off Carlos Sainz and I did think there was going to be a bit more of a battle there. If you had asked me what I thought the podium was going to be for Spain I would have probably turned around and told you Verstappen, Sainz, Hamilton. So I definitely thought the Ferrari was going to be able to fight and have a good bit of race pace during Spain but that wasn't the case. It was a little bit of a painful day once once again for Ferrari. Like I said, they had bought upgrades to the circuit and I'm not entirely sure what they were hoping or expecting from them, but if they were looking for pace, it definitely wasn't delivering for them. Both Carlos at the front and Charles at the back of the grid were really struggling to keep up with the cars that were around them. For Carlos, I can't tell whether it's also because Mercedes did look like they were taking a step forward with their upgrade package. Whatever they've managed to do to the car, the upgrades they've bought, the change in suspension, the floor, the side pods, at the moment it seems to be working out for Mercedes and I don't know whether that just made it a little bit harder for Ferrari to keep up even with their upgrades. If it was for pace, like I said, it could have just been to help with tyre degradation. But they were another team that pitted, not super early, but still earlier than what Mercedes were, so they still aren't as gentle on their tyres as what Mercedes are able to manage at this point. Charles' post-race interview was almost a little bit worrying to Hugh. He had had the hard tyres on at two points during his race, at the start and then during his last stint. And what he'd said was that at the beginning when he was on the hard tyres, 
it felt awful. The car wasn't like in the hard tires. They couldn't find the piece in them. But then when he went to put on the hard tires the second time around, the car liked it a lot more. The piece was good. It was working out a lot better. The car felt different. So there's some inconsistency with that Ferrari and how it behaves on the same compound of tyres. And that in itself, once again, is a huge concern for Ferrari. Why is your car not consistent on the same compound at just different points in the race? I don't think this is just as easy as saying, oh, the track might have rubbed in a bit more, it's evolved, it might have cooled down. From what Charles was saying, it seems like the car just feels entirely different on these compounds so in that respect I think there's a lot of work for Marinello to do to gain a better understanding of what's going on because from the sounds of this weekend Ferrari are lost a little bit with their car or at least with what's gone on this weekend so I think having this week break now between Spain and then going to Canada is going to be really really beneficial for them to gain that understanding and make sure they don't have a repeat performance of whatever was going on here just a disappointing day for Ferrari and for Charles in particular. I mean, I did think he'd be able to make his way up the grid a little bit easier. It just wasn't happening though. And for Carlos as well, he started in P2. I thought he was going to end up on the podium. It would have been amazing during his home race for it to happen. And instead, I think he finished in P5. Now, the other team that I think were having a bit of a difficult day on Sunday were Aston Martin. We have been spoiled by Aston Martin, right? Let's be honest. I'm so used to seeing them on a podium now that when they're not, it's quite surprising. And you know that they're having an off day. Because Aston Martin have been consistent this season. Their podiums haven't been sporadic. They've not been down to luck. They're a team that worked exceptionally hard on their car. And have had a car that now can step on a podium in every race. It just did not happen for them this weekend. I think Fernando had a bit more of a compromised race because of how quality had gone for him. The taping up of the floor just meant that he wasn't able to qualify as high as what he usually would. Lance did have a bit of a better quality though. He did manage to get further up the grid. But I think for both cars, the race pace just wasn't there this weekend. And it's hard to figure out whether this might be track specific for them or whether Mercedes actually do have better pace and that they were just beating them on that because both of the Mercedes cars had managed to pass both Alonso and Stroll. But it just seemed like a bit more of a difficult race for them. Now I've heard that they are bringing upgrades to Canada which is also Lance's and Lawrence's home race so maybe we'll see a bit more of a pace game there, maybe we'll see them fly ahead of Mercedes or just neck and neck with them but this wasn't a weekend for them. Still a good haul of points, they finished in at 6th and 7th but definitely not the heights that we've seen them at before and their lack of points and Mercedes double podium did mean that they've fallen down to third in the Constructors' Championship at the moment. One of the absolute best parts of the race for me was the amazing battle that was going on between Nico Hulkenberg, Yuki Tsunoda and Zhou Guan Yu. There was just some really, really interesting battles and overtakes going on between the three of them. Yuki sadly though did end up with a five second time penalty by the end of the race for pushing Zhou Guan Yu off of the track. Other than that though, I think Yuki had once again had a really, really strong race. He had been outqualified by Nick DeVries, which is the first time I think during this season that he's been outqualified by his teammate, but he managed to pull the car together for the race and just have some really good battles on track and make really good progress. So it is gutting that that obviously was then hampered by the five second time penalty that he had. 
Jovan Yulo said he felt a lot better at this track with the car. Alfa Romeo have seemed to be struggling a little bit this season. They had a much better start to the season last year, but this year hasn't been as great for them. What he was saying, though, is that he does prefer high-speed circuits, so it could be down to that, but the upgrades that they've bought also feel a lot better for the car, so hopefully we'll see them progress over the next couple of races. Pierre, after his sixth-place grid penalty, just had a stinker of a race, though. And not so much the race. The car looked good in general. He was making overtakes. But his pit stops were so slow. We were having some issues at the Alpine pit box. And I think those couple of seconds there where you're stationary and they're struggling to get the tyres on or off do cost you some positions in the race. And it doesn't make it as easy for you, especially if you're coming out into traffic that you weren't meant to be coming out on. Overall, though, I mean, Alpine didn't have a bad day. But I don't think they had the same sort of pace and promise that they were showing in Monaco. And I did say last week, we're going to have to wait and see until we get to Barcelona as to whether what we saw in Monaco really is what we can expect from Alpine or whether it was a one-off. I think it's a one-off in terms of them being as high up as they were in Monaco. I don't know how many podiums we're going to be seeing from Alpine this season, but I do think they've managed to make a small step forward just maybe not the drastic one that we saw in monaco for mercedes though like i mentioned earlier there was a lovely double podium for them lewis finished in second george finished in third the team itself look a lot happier toto's interview post-race he seems a bit more energized really proud of the team and the progress they've made but i'm not getting ahead of myself with their upgrades right now it would be great to run away with the fact that Mercedes managed to finish with two drivers on the podium. Ferrari and Aston Martin didn't seem like a huge problem for them this race. All they're going to have to work on now is trying to close the gap with Red Bull. That would be amazing to say, but I don't think that's going to be the case. Aston Martin, like I said, are bringing up Grey's next race, so we're going to have to wait and see what that does to what is already a very strong car. Ferrari, if they can get these upgrades to work, figure out what's going on with Charles's car, might still be in the mix to try and compete with them. So as easy as it would be right now to run away with those race results, I think you have to read it back, take the results at face value right now, which was an absolutely phenomenal result for the team. It is an absolute testimony to how hard the team and the drivers, the engineers and mechanics have been working over the past year and a half, and especially since Bahrain to get these upgrades and to get them to work. But, yep, they have a really long road ahead of them in terms of catching up with Red Bull, and we still don't know what those teams around them are going to bring. So there is definitely still a little bit of work, at least a little bit of work for Mercedes to do right now, but by the sounds of it, they don't seem to be stopping there. I think they're very, very well aware as a team that there is still more work to be done, that there are still threats from behind them, and that they are in a development race, and no one's going to be stopping to upgrade their car right now. George and Lewis had mentioned that there is something in the pipeline for the car. I don't think it's going to be as big of an upgrade as what we've seen now. Obviously, it was a very, very drastic upgrade that we got from Mercedes and Monaco. But I think there is something that they're hoping is going to bring pace to the car. And George had mentioned that will be in Silverstone, which is another high-speed circuit not too far away. 
and obviously a home race for both Lewis and George. So hopefully, fingers crossed, that will work out for them. But, you know, Red Bull are still bringing upgrades. They've got things planned and in the pipeline for their car. They want to make it quicker. They don't want to rest on their laurels and give teams a chance to catch up. So they're going to be trying to extend their gap. Aston Martin with their upgrades. Ferrari trying to make their upgrades work. Alpine, as we've seen, can have really good weekends. And now that they've had a taste of that champagne, I'm sure they're going to want to taste it again. But all the teams are going to be working hard. So I don't think this is going to be sort of the comeback of Mercedes and then being at the top again. But I think what we have seen this weekend is the direction they've taken with this new concept of car is obviously working out for them. It's not regressed them. It seems to be an easier car for the drivers to handle. The team seem to be able to find that working window for the setup a lot easier. And that's all positive. Those are really good things they can take away from this weekend. But Canada is a different circuit. So I think over the next couple of races, we're going to be able to see if this is a car that's really an all-rounder or is this just a car now that can only do well at certain circuits. And I'm obviously hoping it's going to be an all-rounder. I want to see more competition on track, but we will have to wait and see. Now, the driver of the day for the Spanish Grand Prix was Lewis Hamilton. And this is another driver I'm going to have to agree with you guys with. I think he just had a really solid weekend. I know Friday was a bit more difficult for him, but I think he'd worked with the team overnight to sort out the setup, get the car into a window that he liked, and he was just flying with it. He had a lot of fight this weekend and a lot of hope that the upgrades would work at this track. He'd said he'd felt comfortable in Monaco. He was just hoping it would translate to Barcelona and it did for him. And look, I'm going to throw it out there. My team of the day, my team of the weekend is Mercedes. The upgrades they brought to Monaco and into Barcelona have worked out for them. They realised the concept they were working with was not going to work out for them and yes I know we kind of sit there and think why wasn't this done earlier why didn't you change it after last season but we can just be grateful that they eventually figured out it wasn't going to work and they moved on from it like Toto said they needed that wake-up call at the start of the season they wanted to just see if it was going to work Bahrain went awful for them realized it wasn't going to get any better and they changed it they changed it to something they took a chance Toto said they changed things that they weren't entirely sure what they were going to do in the first place but it was a risk worth taking it has worked out for them they've pulled together as a team and brought home an amazing stack of points taken second place in the constructors from Aston Martin double podium the drivers and the teams are walking away a lot happier so yeah forget about driver of the day we're doing a team of the day and it is Mercedes now F1 are taking a week break before we head out to Canada for the Canadian Grand Prix which should be an interesting one Canada is one of my favorite tracks So next week, I'm going to be doing a Silly Season prediction episode. I don't think it's going to be very long until we hit Silly Season now. We obviously have already had rumours about Lewis and Ferrari, but I am going to be posting on my socials for you guys to tell me what you think the grid is going to look like in 2024. Next week, I'll be sharing those. I'll be telling you what I think my predictions are. And then once Silly Season is over and the 2024 grid is confirmed, we'll come back and see how right or wrong we are about that. Thank you guys so much and Diolchan Vara for listening to this podcast. Your support means so, so much to me. You have no idea. Please make sure to follow this podcast on whatever platform you are listening on so you get updates whenever I post my next episode. And I will see you guys the next time you're summoned to the steward's office.